Hello, we are live. We are live. Welcome, welcome to shooting the shit. How is everybody? Wicked. Wicked, yeah. Surviving. Are we allowed to tell the truth? Yeah, you're allowed to tell the truth. Yeah, Rishi's on a, a four pint mug of coffee there. Rachel's hitting the booze. I'm on the pose. Yeah, this is the only thing getting us through the day. We're all sick to the back teeth of January. Uh, but anyway, we're here to do something exciting, something much nicer and something exciting. So we're here today shooting the shit to talk about women in teaching. So we have a few questions that we're gonna, I'm going to pose to you both today. We're going to talk about why um, most of the women in the classroom or most of the teachers in the classrooms are women. We're going to talk about why classrooms are... Uh, perpetuating the patriarchy that's a lot of peas to say isn't it um and we're going to talk about how do we make our classrooms more feminist so hannah you used to be a teacher didn't you i did yeah so when i left uni uh, the story of how i got into teaching is how most people i think find their vocation in life so i was a temp administrator in a college and somebody walked past the front desk and said I really need an animation teacher in about 20 minutes. And I said, I'll do it. And then, <laughs> and then like, I ended up somehow doing my PGCE for two years because um, I did it part time and then was teaching for like six years, five years, perhaps in total, just mm -hmm. because impulsively I stuck my hand up and said, I'll do it. That's um, how I get dragged into everything. I go, yeah, yeah, I'll do yeah. that. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> I need to learn to keep my hands down and keep my mouth shut. I wish I'd sat on my hands. So, I mean, I, I did my PGC and that was fine. And I wasn't a traditional teacher. So this was in a college. So initially I taught so me animation games with it. What were you teaching? Or what age kids were you teaching? I was uh, 16 plus. Right. Um, and that was for a little bit. And then I went and did... Um, 14 plus but I did every child matters so that was all the kind of cuddly stuff like sexual health money management health and well-being staying safe and all that sort of stuff healthy relationships healthy bodies healthy minds sort of stuff mm -hmm. uh, and then I kind of started specializing in careers and enterprise and then I went and started doing just enterprise-based kind of careers focused teaching um, so I would kind of come up with curriculums and I was a careers advisor, but I would also come up with a curriculum for other teachers to deliver in the classroom and I would deliver curriculums to my own students. So I suppose uh, being a, a teacher at college, you had a little bit more leeway in terms of the curriculum that you could teach, because I know primary school and secondary school in particular, they're so rigid, aren't they, in what they're allowed to teach and what they're not? Absolutely not. No, we had a full, we had a strat, we had a a, a syllabus that we had to follow because it was BTEC, they had to do this outcome, this outcome, this outcome. Right. So you had to teach them incredibly structured <laughs> things just the same. Um, in the careers stuff, it was it was more free. But again, there were there were things within the curriculum that you had to hit. So like you had to teach them about British values and you had to teach them about um, kind of how raising. to make the right consistency of gravy to put on your chips. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. British values. And uh, how to mock stuff. your postman as he walks by and things like that. Um, yeah. So how to scream when somebody drops a plate or a glass. How to, yeah. how to clap when the plane lands. <laughs> yeah. Um, things like that. Hell of great Small things talk about, about, about the weather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so why did you leave? Yeah. Did why did you? you why did you leave? Because it's absolutely fucking horrendous. It is right. like the worst <laughs> thing. Like 
people who do teaching and it's their vocation hats off because it is so difficult anybody yeah. who says teachers don't deserve the holidays and they're in it for the holidays like you need to spend just a term teaching yeah because it is so I don't know it's so all-encompassing it's so fast-paced it's so pressurized like the pressure on you from all different levels of management is insane the and it follows you home oh it follows you home oh my yeah. god it, and like you're working in the holidays like people don't see that and you don't like finish at three like you know you finish at like six but because of the term structure you have six weeks well like four between four and seven weeks to cram in so much work and so many outcomes and there's so many barriers to that because you're dealing with kids and there's like movable fees that actually by the time it gets to the to the holidays you burn out and then like yeah. you can't do anything you know i remember so i have had i have two experiences i have never been a teacher i have never wanted to be a teacher i, I don't particularly like children so you know this is not an area that i ever dreamed of going into in the slightest but once uh, when leon was in reception class he uh, the, the the invited the mums obviously only the mums only the you know mums, only yeah. the mums and we'll come on to that uh, but yeah they invited the mums to come in for uh, just a, like a couple of hours to sit in the classroom do some work reading with their kids blah blah and at the time, you know, I was a freelancer. I thought, I can do that. Let's take this opportunity. You know, I'll show some willing at being a good parent. Went in there. Oh, my God. Ten minutes in, I wanted to, I wanted to run away. I was, like, looking for an excuse as to why I could leave. In the end, I pretended that my back was really sore because I'm sitting on a small chair and I had to get out. I think I'd done about 25 minutes because just that environment in that classroom was it was loud it was in your face it was just constant kids talking asking you questions how one teacher and one uh, classroom assistant deal with that all day I mean hats off to them and then uh, the, the other one was during the COVID pandemic Leon came home this was when he was in year six to tell me that um one girl had been sick into a bin bear in mind we're in the middle of a pandemic so one girl had been sick so the teacher had run off to ppe herself up and the teaching assistant had and by the time she came back six girls were being sick and they'd run out of sick buckets so they were just being sick into bins into one was being sick into an empty lunch box <laughs> and the teachers were there in like full ppe and they rang up sent everyone home and i thought no whatever we pay these people it is not enough like just imagine deal with that I just it's think, oh. awful i mean yeah. primary school is like one thing because you've got like toilet you're doing child stuff. care as well you are, you? Yeah. As well as but high school like high school is another beast altogether and then college comes with its own challenges as well yeah but like like the tight like what made me what was the final straw that broke the camel's back on teaching was i just finished this class and they were awful absolutely awful behavior and there were like six or seven different pockets within it and one of them was like pouring orange juice into another person's bag and somebody else was like writing shit all over the blackboard and somebody else was trying to break the computer and it was i just spent the whole lesson going stop it stop it stop it and every time i took a breath they would interrupt me and start talking literally and i walked yeah. out of the classroom and somebody threw a hard plastic rhino at my head and I, thought, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. That's the final rhino. That was it. That that's, was the, it. that's the toy that broke the rhino's back. That was I'm it. out of here. Everything that I'd just done, it was my Wednesday afternoon class. And after all that, this fucking like early learning center rhino clunking me on the nut. And I was like, I am done. <laughs> okay, well.
We've got some good experiences there. Reesh, uh, I take it, I can't imagine you, you've never been a teacher, you've never wanted to be a teacher. I'm not, I'm not, um, yeah, I'm not that way inclined. Um, oh. And uh, But I now will forever, whenever I've got a plastic rhino, I will think of Hannah. <laughs> All those times, every day, when you're looking at your plastic rhino. Specifically for that reason, just to laugh at Okay, well, so we've established that teaching is horrendous and children are horrendous and teachers don't get paid enough. But um, I think one of the, so, you know, the basic premise of this Facebook Live, let's return to the point, um, is that the, the classrooms are not a particularly feminist place. And there are several strands as to why that's the case, aren't there? One is that most of the teachers are women and yet most of the people at the top making the rules are men who have never taught in a classroom. Um, and, and another thing is that because teachers are facing all of those pressures that you've just mentioned, Hannah, they don't necessarily have time. You know, there's, they're, they're teaching to a strict curriculum. Feminism isn't part of that. You know, they're teaching to tests constantly. So they've just got this pressure. So there isn't time for them to go off and have those wider conversations and blah, blah, blah. And also, you know, classrooms are full of children and children are horrible and they just reinforce the patriarchy. And so we've got all of these strands coming in that mean that it's really hard you know, we're not going to break the patriarchy and create a feminist society if our classrooms aren't feminist. So how do we make our classrooms feminist? So first thing I want to talk about is the fact that 70% of teachers in England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland, 70% of teachers are female, obviously, which means, you know, 30% of them are male. And yet everybody, uh, the uh, disproportionate amount of um, head teachers are male, a disproportionate wow. amount of, yeah, uh, of people making policy, so people in parliament are male. So why have we got the, I mean, it's a bit like with every other um, sector, isn't it? But why are the people at the top making the decisions men and then the people at the bottom, for want of a better word, uh, are women? Hannah? Well, it's interesting, Rach. So I'm just reading some stats that say that uh, in 2019, two thirds of heads were women. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yes, but if if um, if seven, so a third of teachers need to be male in order for a third of head teachers to be male. So they are disproportionately men. So, to is, the so is that quicker. stat taking in all of teachers? Because obviously, yeah, not all head teachers are well. Head teachers aren't teachers; they don't actually teach. No, and no. some will have come in from management, won't they? I mean, I know like some of them, uh, like Leon's school now, he's at high school, but he's part of a valley, uh, sorry, an academy school, which is five schools grouped together and they've got a manager at the top. They have a head teacher in, yeah, they have a head teacher in his class, but there's like a management person at the very top of that tree uh, and he is a man. So, uh, you know, yes, disproportionately, more of the men will rise quickly and go into those management positions, i.e. head teacher roles, than, than the women will. So It's interesting why? though as well, because statistically in governance, so I'm a governor um, and statistically most governors are women. Um, so, you know, you have Is to that wonder. because they're parents? No, no, Are not parent parents. governors. No, right. so so you only have a proportion of the board that, that are parent governors. So you're supposed to have some parent governors, some staff governors, and then the rest made up from the community. Right, okay. Um, but I think the reason that women go into it is because typically we work part-time or flexible mm -hmm. hours and, you know, you obviously need to be in meetings during work time. Yeah. 
And I mean, we've talked about this in the past, haven't we? Uh, you know, and I don't want to go over old ground, but just the fact that, you know, by the nature that women are the ones that will do the bulk of the childcare and they'll work part time and they tend to work closer as well. Men are the ones that will get jobs, you know, in the bigger city that's slightly further away, whereas women will statistically work closer to the home. So they're the ones that are on call to turn up to parents evening to do the assemblies, to do the pickup at the school gates, you know, whatever it might be. And and parent governors, I would imagine, or, you know, governors, sorry, is, is the same thing. The women are available to have the meetings at four o'clock whereas you know men probably aren't as much so and, yeah. and that that whole mentality as well of you know oh let's get mum in let's ask mum let's phone mum. oh you forgot your pee kit you forgot your lunch let's phone mum you know mm. never phone dad and so how do we get more men into schools well i think as well there's so we, when we think about those statistics we need to think about where the teachers are so traditionally uh, primary schools have got an abundance of female teachers and as you get into secondary schools certain subjects attract different mm-hmm. genders so and, for example, and that seems to be stem doesn't it as well we're back to you know the women well do no the... so where i used to work the entire math department was female and right. oh, that's as was the entire english department yeah so there was a big drive to get girls into you know women into stem subjects teaching stem subjects and science english and maths tend generally have a golden hello so they attract um kind of the top notch because they're the the most important subjects arguably so Mm -hmm. you know you need to attract them in but thinking about all the other departments it's pretty evenly split obviously the the tech subjects tend to have male teachers and especially Mm -hmm. like when when we went into further education the tech subjects had male teachers and the arty subjects had predominantly female teachers uh, Mm -hmm. but there was a good mix but yeah when when I was at school and I remember you know my English teacher was female my history teacher was my art teacher I had Mr Watling uh big shout out to Mr Watling uh, one of the greatest (laughs) teachers ever um but all of the other art ceramics um uh graphics teachers were female Uh, my French teacher was female but then my maths my science teachers my history and geography sorry my geography teachers they were all male and it was really really obvious now I know that's the 90s and things have changed but at Leon is at high school now and and the the majority of his teachers are actually male but when I asked him so it's quite it's a bit um, different because of COVID. So the children don't move around in the same way at the moment. The teachers go to them and they've got teachers covering different shifts because of, you know, absences and COVID and what have you. So it is it is slightly skewed, but the majority of his teachers are male, but the majority of them are science, maths, technology, you know, design teachers, all the rest of it. So I don't know. I, I don't have an accurate. Rish, when you were at school, did you have male teachers? Were they split along those lines? I'm just thinking about it now, <clears throat> excuse me, and it feels like, yeah, there's obviously some generational thing here because I, I do think I don't have any experience of, of what teaching's like now, you know, in any way. I don't, I'm not around kids, um, you know, and I don't don't have anything like that. Um, but, you know, so when I, when I was at school back in the day, um, you know, it was... I, I did have, um, you know, a lot of male teachers actually, um, both at primary and at secondary school. Um, so, you know, because I was kind of, you know, just not aware of it, so to speak, it's just, that's my teacher. I don't even think about it. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it just is what it is. 
Um, so yeah, I had a quite a mixed bag actually. So like, um, you know, I went to a, a Catholic secondary school. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, RE teachers that were all male, um, you know, and vice versa, but then language teachers were predominantly female. Um, mm. And then I had a mix. There was a mix for um, for science uh, and maths. So it was kind so, of. So Rish, sorry, were your were your RE teachers were they male because they were part of the priesthood then? No, no, not at all. Right. No. Okay, that's interesting. You know, they'd yeah actually studied, got into etc. It wasn't yeah. a strict Catholic school. It was just that you know it had Catholic tendencies. Um, you know, Didn't so... go to a convent then. <laughs> I know, but that's what I was thinking. I was, I was thinking yeah. like Risha convent school. Jeezy, crazy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I will follow um, you. So <laughs> interestingly, so Naya yeah. is at primary. And she, the two of her teachers, like the last two years on the bounce, have been a male teacher, and they right. are absolutely exceptional, mm. really good. Um, so I think you know, I think it does very much. It depends, but obviously, depends, when you're looking statistically, you can't. You know, it doesn't balance out. I mm. think um, what's interesting though is how that then impacts as children move into further education and higher education, and they pick their options. So. Mm um my form used to i used to look after the health and social care girls and i say girls because they were all girls that were doing the health and social care courses and i looked after the vocational kids so the ones that weren't doing full gcses they were bolstering their gcses with some vocational courses so one day a week they would go out and do motor vehicle or hairdressing or childcare, or there was another option but i can't remember what it was oh uh woodwork you know wood building and that construction um <laughs> woodwork and construction are very building different things but well, let's move on <laughs> yeah um yeah so and the it was all boys all girls the gender split it was 50 50 yeah. and even to the point one girl wanted to do motor vehicle and my predecessor had tried to talk her out of it because it would mean that at the college that they went to they would have to put in a girl's toilet and they just didn't even have a girl's toilet no way. so yeah so when i was shadowing the guy that was leaving that i was taking over he was like oh you know she wants to do motor vehicle we need to talk her out of it and um, and one lad wanted to do hair and beauty and they were like oh you're gonna get bullied and um, but he went and did hair um, and you know, was amazing at it. And yeah. now I think he's a choreographer. But do you think? Do you not think it's more subtle than that? Do you not think? You know, if you are growing up, say, you know, high school children, I'm thinking of now. And you mentioned about doing options. If you see that most of the mathsy, sciencey, you know, practical teachers are male, and most of the uh, English art, you know. Uh, humanities teachers are female if you're a, a teenage boy or a teenage girl there must be a, a, a subconscious message that's coming through to you then you know we always talk about why aren't there more girls following stem subjects if you've gone to a school where only male teachers do stem subjects and you're a girl you might think that's perhaps not for me that's not a path i should be following absolutely and i think as well like the only time that that's kind of counterbalanced is in PE where you've got to have an equal number of male and female teachers because the classes are gendered and um, but when I was uh, in FE it is more evenly split then so in FE there were there were more health and social care tutors um, and in, in, in HE as well 
higher education, there's more of an even gender split. But absolutely, if you're growing up and you're picking your options and all you can see is, you know, men in this role and women in that role, then you're not going to pick it. Although, well, yeah, go on, Rach. I have a question on, or a point on that, actually, because I, you know, whilst I agree with that, I also think um, we have to give the, the the child a bit of credit. And by that, I mean, there's also a lot of, a lot of other stuff going on when you're at school, right? And I think, you know, speaking from my own experience, I've always got on better with male teachers. So actually, that is not of, it wasn't of concern to me whether they are doing this or whether they're doing that. It's more about, you know, me, how I feel whilst I'm in education and what I want to do next. You know, I actually took three sciences as my A-levels. But that wasn't based on you know, whether they were male or female. It was actually that was what I was good at at the time. So whilst I do think there's, you know, the whole conversation about representation, I think there's there's, there's other subtleties to it as well. Yeah, there are. And I think it's a lot better. So, um, I mean, when I was at school, um, probably about five years ago, I finished high school. And it was, you know... <laughs> There was a lot of options to try a lot of different things uh, like woodwork and stuff before we chose our options. There was no pressure and there isn't pressure today, to be fair. And kids are able to, you know, pick whatever they want now that that chap's out of the way. Neil, that was uh, not allowing girls to do motor vehicle because they didn't have toilets. I but, do think, though, I, I, I might challenge that a little bit. So I remember I did food tech and I did design technology. So, you know, and you're right, we were allowed to try that. Leon, I, I do feel, and I don't know whether this is because he's been put in the top set, so they, they set for the year rather than setting per subject. So he's in the top set for for the year rather than, like, maths, English, whatever. Mm. Um, and he's been given very academic subjects. And, and But talking to him that, you know, you, you mentioned just before, had a PE, really gendered. Um, he's been put in design technology rather than food technology. And I don't know whether, you know, that might change and he might get the opportunity to try those other things because we don't know yet. But I do feel at the moment he's been very pushed into a, a male male gendered education if there is such a thing. You know, he has to do male sports and he has to do male subjects. And I do... I don't feel like we ever had that same thing. I think that it felt a lot more equal when in the 90s when we were at high school. Well, it is only his first term, so it is, you know it, it might. Is. But PE, PE is very gendered. I wasn't allowed to play basketball because um, no. I was a girl and I really wanted to. We had to do fucking interpretive dance. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that that you know ah, interpretive dance. And I can imagine. And I was, do it now. Well, I did. I just stood there like, and I was really good at basketball. Can you interpret via dance your frustration at the patriarchy, Hannah? <laughs> this goes really well for the people that are listening on the podcast. They're listening on the podcast, yeah. <laughs> Hannah's doing a Victorian swoon. Uh, anyway, carry on. Made all the better by my Victorian collar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so there was that but I think these days I mean sport is still very gendered but where my friend Sammy works there's a there's a boys and a girls team for every sport boys netball boy girls netball boys football girls football boys hockey girls hockey badminton you know there's a but and now they are starting to let the boys and girls play together shock horror in mm. some of the sports which I think is another thing but um so yeah, I think that actually it's not so bad. I think the problems are when it's reinforced outside of the school. 
And I also think as well that there's, well, I know there's a lot of initiatives to close the gap between boys and girls. So I think, you know, historically, girls have always done better in their exams than, boy, than boys. And the, there's always been a debate. Is that um, kind of, is that, um, you know, ambition? Is it laziness on the boys' part? Is it that exams are skewed to work, to work better for, you know, female brains? Uh-huh. is it you know what is it people spend an awful lot of money and time trying to investigate what it is and schools tend to have their own um programs to raise the attainment of boys um and obviously like girl you know there are programs to for high achieving girls you know high achieving girls high, there's hags and bags and uh, lags and and gags and like low achievers, high achievers, boys and girls. Yeah, I know there's all these acronyms, but there's literally zoned out. Then I, I know I, I do not about. know what she's talking about. Oh, this she's, like... just, she's just saying random words now. Hags, bags, bags, bags. Right, so there's, so there's high achieving girls and high achieving boys. There's low achieving girls and low achieving boys, and then there's middle. Oh, okay, and then okay, there's got raising it. attainment in boys. Okay. So that is to you know to trying to get those middling boys up to higher. So hags and bags. I mean, it, yeah, them. I mean that is true, isn't it? I mean, I, I do want to say, and we say this multiple times every single episode. But you know, when we're talking about the damaging effects of the patriarchy for children in schools, and you know, women in teaching, we have gone slightly off off women in teaching, haven't we? But um, you know, this is as damaging to boys as it is to girls. Yes, boys attain or, or attain less. In, in testing and at primary school age, they, they slightly overtake by the time we get to university level. But but girls outperform boys. And what is it about that? And I know, you know, from, from you know, Naya and Leon, uh, you know, Naya just does her best at everything. Leon will do his best, but only when you've pushed him and, and really made him do it. I mean, he's got better recently, but he has to be praised and he has to be explained, it has to be explained to him why he needs to do his best and he has to be encouraged and all the rest of it. And I think perhaps the school system are back again, back to that, you know, it's it's national curriculum, it's high pressurized, they're overworked, they're underpaid, they haven't got time to do that investment in every single child. It's just teach the test, teach the test, 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 test. Um, and it's taking away every kind of, I don't know, um, any child that's different, any child that needs a little bit of support is is just completely failed by this well, one-size-fits-all system, isn't it? It's the middle kids that lose out. So the high-achieving kids get the pressure, you know, get the pressure, get the additional work because they're the ones that are going to go to the Russell Group universities. They're the ones that are going to pull up your averages. And then the lower kids, they get all the attention as well because they're going to drag down your averages. It's these kids in the middle that lose out massively. And that's obviously the majority. And I think you're right. I think it's the pressures on uh, on teachers um, because it is a never... It's a, it's never like the goalpost, the blah, 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 blah. Yeah, goalposts. Goalposts move constantly. Yeah, Yeah, constantly. So, you know, and the changes are enormous and it comes from government and they don't understand what it's like in the classroom. And we're back to the people who are making policy are so many steps removed from the classroom. They've got no idea what it's like to be. I mean, they don't even know what it's like to be a child that's not upper class. No, I I think this is this is such a big problem. And when they when fucking Gove changed the the kind of secondary education landscape, I mean, it is geared around kind of high achieving 
private school education mm. and well because they're the ones that will get the results aren't they well, i mean that's yeah. all they know so yeah yeah so it's all it is it's shit for them middle for those middle kids i know that's been proved really with leon like i say you know at primary school he he was fairly middling he missed a big chunk of school in the middle because he had to have operations and was mm. poorly and things um and and he was sort of middling but he's gone to this new high school and like i said they've put him in the top set they are clearly pushing him and and he is flourishing and and mm. you know because he's the one that they are relying on to prove that they can get kids through their exams and therefore get their funding mm. and it's so blatantly mm -hmm. obvious uh, but anyway right uh, I, I, we have so that i was reading an article before uh, time is marching on uh, i was reading an article about what do we need to make our our schools and the teaching profession more feminism and bring up feminist boys so how to make feminist classrooms basically um and the, the, the points that they said were uh, acknowledge where there is a power imbalance and do your best to replicate it if you can. So, for example, if you've got a head teacher at the top and everybody else is female, you know, acknowledge that and talk about it. The other one was offer differ, different perspectives. So, you know, um, again, back to challenging, but saying, oh, you know, you might think that, but actually there's this there's this argument that girls are not stinky and actually they might be all right. Um, the other one was listen to marginalized voices. So if you've got girls or women of color or, you know, anybody who's not white and cis or and heterosexual, you know, let them speak up, allow their voice to be heard in the classroom and don't marginalize them. And the other one was lead by example. So, you know, be a feminist teacher and, and you will have a feminist classroom. But, you know, as I was reading it, I returned to the point again and again that all of that is very nice and lovely. And of course, everybody wants to do that. But the reality of being a teacher at the moment is that that's not what it, you know, especially, I mean, it was bad enough before, but now with COVID, you know, Leon hasn't got the same teacher for one subject from, from one day to the next, you know, how do they, I just, I just don't know. It seems like a lovely ideal, but at the moment it just seems like miles away from being a reality. I think the thing as well is when you're in the classroom, you're faced with an awful lot of contrasting views so whatever you say it kind of falls on deaf ears because they they're getting it reinforced at home and um, whatever their beliefs are you know they come to school they've heard their parents or whatever talk about something and then you challenge that and you can either spend 45 minutes debating it or you can get on with your lesson and yeah. and you, you're never going to win over you as a teacher and never gonna overtake the opinions that are, that are given to children at home because why would they trust you over their parent? Um, and so it's... And you also, know, you would, you know, pick your battles for one thing, but also if you're a teacher and you've got 30 minutes or 60 minutes, whatever it might be, to deliver this lesson, and you all of a sudden have to start challenging every single misogynistic comment that is made, I mean, that's your lesson gone, isn't it? You're not going to have time to do anything else. Yeah, and but I think I think one of the big problems that does need tackling in school is sexual harassment of girls, low mm. level sexual harassment of girls, and um, and that is endemic at the moment. Well, I mean, it always has been, um, yeah. and not challenged because you know it's just kind of it's just so low level. It's, oh God, it's... I remember being at school, and I mean, admittedly, I was telling Leon this the other day. My tie was longer than my skirt, but the number of times I had my boobs grabbed, I had. Like, to put their hands up my skirt you know particularly at PE when you were wearing them those little tiny sports skirts with with 
PE knickers um, and the number of times that lads would pull them, flick them, push your skirt up, you know, pull your top yeah, up. Yeah, pull your bra straps. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, teachers were doing it when we were at school as well, which is like pretty awful, isn't it? But um, but it's still happening. And it's, you know, boys are talking about girls in an awful way. Boys are taking, I mean, the technology makes it worse now. They're taking photos and upskirting and stuff and passing it around. And like, this isn't just me kind of supposing, like I've heard, you know, firsthand stories of this. Um, and it's and it's not challenged or when it is challenged, it falls on deaf ears from the parents. Um, and there's a whole load of legal issues now that come with it. So I remember... Um, when I was teaching a year 12 lad shared some photos of his girlfriend to his mates mm. when she was in year 11 and the police had to talk to him for distributing child pornography but we're not having these conversations with with them about what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate and what is illegal and you know to them it's just we're not keeping up with technology and with yeah. the culture um to have those conversations but having said that there is time in the curriculum so that's what my role was my job my job was to do all these additional bits and to teach these you know kind of life skills and to challenge these perceptions in the british value stuff so i know we joke about it but the british value stuff was about respect and tolerance of people of all backgrounds all faiths all genders all orientations and stuff and that's you had to demonstrate to ofsted that you were upholding british values um but as you say unfortunate the unfortunate reality is that that's what uh, you know that might be two three hours in a month's lesson planning uh, and and is that enough to challenge those ingrained um views and opinions and all the rest of it that they're going to get from the rest of society and television and their parents and everywhere yeah. else you know so um exactly. we we are out of time i mean rish just final question to you were, were you ever sexually assaulted in a lightweight way at school <laughs> oh my god probably and i probably did a fair share of doing it myself you probably did it yourself. yeah you will have been you the, the worst the, offender 100%. you were no doubt whatsoever so Rish, i you always say your very wise final comment and then i always say any final comments so, what's your final comment today well it's 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 been interesting because like i say i've it's you know it's a difficult subject for me because i'm so far removed from it at the moment you know but i do think you know ultimately after everything that's been said it, it all starts from home right every single thing that you know yeah. needs addressing here actually starts at home um and I think it's almost it sounds awful saying you know and, and pinning it on parents and saying it's your fault you know this that and the other not at all um more a case of it might be just be a flippant comment you know about say like a a lad that's overachieving or is doing really high you know doing really well in a certain sh subject you know being called a boff by his dad or his mum or his cousin you know and so you know said jokingly but actually those things all have an impact um you know and i think so it's it's something that you know does have to be much more mindful you know when you're talking mm -hmm. to kids around kids you know and about kids you know that it starts there really and that impacts everything else literally that um yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have a, a point, but I think it's... No, no, you know, that is. That is it. You're absolutely right. And I mean, uh, the, uh, I'm sure every woman, in every female in a teaching role will say exactly the same thing. You know, they're, they're wading through treacle and they're fighting a losing battle. And this has got to start at home. It's got to start at home. It's got to start with culture and society. And we cannot put it on teachers' heads to, you know, 
uh, raise feminist children because they've got enough fucking shit to do. Quite that's frankly. it. They're going to teach. Yeah. That's what teachers yeah. do. They're yeah. there to teach, you know. Yeah, so absolutely. it's, you know, they've got like 45 jobs in a classroom, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. I, yeah, we were all there and I wouldn't have wanted to teach me. Absolutely. <laughs> no. No. no way. So, uh, so yeah. Sorry, sorry, Mrs. Grant. Sorry about any, any of my old teachers that might, for some reason, be listening to this. Like, Mrs. Grant was my form teacher. She fucking hated me. I literally took the piss out of her all the time for loving Cliff Richard. So, there we go. Oh, Dally's mum loves Cliff Richard. I think you should write her a grammatically correct letter of apology, Rich. Right I write now. in French because she was my French yeah. teacher as well. So, that made it even worse. Yeah. So Anna, <laughs> final word. Well, I mean, if we're apologising to teachers, I would like to apologise to a teacher who caught me mocking her weight um, in the science <laughs> corridor. Who um, was it? Was it, it, was, it was that woman that used to live next door to Dad. Oh, no. No, I know. And and Miss, if you're watching this, I don't think you ate all the pies. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I don't think I have anything to apologise to teachers for. I was such a oh swat. fuck off, Rachel. Got <laughs> right, your yeah. horse skirts. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I mean, I did. Would you like to, to apologise to Mr. Watlin for getting his daughter so pissed in a field she passed out? <gasps> she did that to herself. <laughs> I was just her enabler, but she did it to herself. Anyway, anyway on that note, that's no, it. I yeah. Do my final okay, words. On, final final words. If you're watching this and you're not a teacher but you've got children, uh, my final words are to you. Uh, work with your teachers, like work with your kids' teachers, because you all need to pull in the same direction. Reinforce what they're saying. Uh, and if they say things that you don't like and you don't think is right, or if they treat you, you know, your son or your daughter in a way that you don't think is acceptable, just kindly and gently mention it to them because chances are they haven't thought about it or they didn't mean it mm. or it's been misinterpreted. But they're work really shit day. Oh, they are, they're having a shite day. But you know, work with them um so that you're all kind of pulling in the right in the same direction with your children. Yeah, yeah, and I would just like to take my hat off to any teacher. I don't know yeah. how you do it, and I'm grateful yeah. that you do because I absolutely do not want to, and that <laughs> is it. Thank you very much. So thank you to anyone who has watched this live. If you are watching it again on Catch Up, please do leave us a comment because we will see it and we will answer it or we'll try Yay. our best. Um, if you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe because it helps us. And if you are watching on YouTube, subscribe below. Um, that is it. <laughs> We're going to go and let Reesh have a lie down in a dark room now. See you next time. <laughs> Bye.